Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. We'll share the latest from a global and regional perspective to help you stop guessing what next and to start thinking ahead. Today's episode is about smart home in the UK. I'm delighted to be joined by Trevor Godman from GSK, who's going to help us make sense of what's happening. Hi, Trevor. Thanks for joining us. Can we start by talking a little bit about this survey, please, that's been running with Tech UK for seven consecutive years? What's the purpose of the study and what does it cover? Cool. We've been running the survey for seven or eight years, the last seven in partnership with Tech UK. And the idea of the survey is really to get a little bit of a view of UK consumer engagement in the smart home category, whatever, whatever that, that means. It's a very broad kind of church. So it's, it's what people know about smart home, which categories they're interested in, which products they say that they either own or are interested in buying, um, and some of the benefits and barriers they might see to, to purchase. And then we also, usually from year to year, really change the question a little bit to get into some kind of emerging issues. So we did a little bit this year about uh, energy crisis um, and where people see the, the role of the smart home in making their homes more efficient. Um, and then alongside the survey data, we always um, make some use of G- GFK's point of sale panels um, to look at in a, in a much harder sense at what has been selling over the last year. So we can bring those two together um, to get a, a fairly rounded picture of the market. Okay, thank you. I know there's a great deal in this year's report, and I know you only therefore want to focus on three key highlights, don't you, today. Can we start with a look at market growth? I'm certain our listeners are curious to see how sales are developing, especially now we've got the high inflation that you were kind of inferring earlier. So it's been a a really interesting year in terms of market development. And I think it's, it's important to make the distinction between kind of sales growth or decline year on year and the kind of the incremental increase in product ownership that that takes place over over a much longer period so if we look at at sales along with the rest of the tech and durables market so the smart home devices are a little bit softer this year than they were in in 2022 and and i should make the point this one we're we're talking really about sales over the april 22 to march 23 period and previous years. So sales are down about 2% year on year. That includes some categories which are very big volume categories, which are not particularly smart. So things like printers, TVs, if we look at kind of core smart home products, they're down a little bit more year on year. But in the longer term, sales are still up 11% against pre-COVID levels if we compare back to 2020, to the year ending March 2020. And again, for, for in, in value terms, well, we've seen kind of inflation across the, the, the market, but in value terms, the market's up 32% against that year pre-COVID. So, so smart home is actually quite healthy compared to a bunch of other tech and durables categories. And that's kind of reflected in growth that we're seeing overall or in kind of claimed ownership of smart home technology amongst consumers. So we, we look at that in lots of different ways. We look at it for individual products. We look at it in a, a bunch of sort of broader categories like entertainment or, or smart security and control. 
um, also my energy and lighting. Um, lots of, so, so year on year, there's quite steady growth actually claimed ownership of those devices. Um, so there's definitely a, a, a rising consumer appetite and comfort in kind of investing in, bringing home, unboxing and making use of smart home technology. So across quite a, a range of indicators in the survey, um, we see more than a third of consumers or about a third of consumers actually now saying that they have at least four smart home devices at home. Um, they're more likely to be connecting them to their Wi-Fi and more confident they'll be able to use them when they, when they get them home. So there's quite healthy growth across a, a number of categories. But within that, there's quite a, a variety of which categories are really doing well and which ones are, more, are less buoyant than they were a few years ago. So go on, tell me which categories are doing really well. Yeah, so, so I think it's always interesting to think about kind of the, the, the waves of, of take. So going back a long time, the first comfortable product that was smart for people to buy at home and bring into their home as a smart home product was a TV because everybody understands TV. There was grocery streaming services and, and smart TVs brought streaming to the TV in your lounge and changed that experience. And a couple of years after that, we saw smart speakers growing very strongly and they were the kind of the hero child of the, the market for a few years. Um, now penetration of, of smart speakers has, has reached um, quite, quite healthy levels. So almost half of UK consumers tell us they have a smart speaker at home, just under half, about 45%. But sales of smart speakers have tailed off over the last couple of and the hero product really post COVID um, has been smart doorbells. So we've seen smart doorbells growing from kind of 2% um, penetration in 2017 up to about 20% penetration in 2023. So tenfold increase over a um, five or six year period. So very healthy growth. And we, if we look at the sales data, similarly, we're seeing really robust sales trends for, for smart doorbells. That's really the, the hero child. So. What lessons does this tell us for other categories? Because just anecdotally, I feel like I see a lot of TV ads for smart doorbells. I think it tells us a few things. I sat here in early COVID, in early 2020, and predicted that smart doorbells, which were just starting to see some sales pick up, that they would not be what people needed when they were at home anyway. They could answer the door. Yeah. And actually... I was, I, I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> People didn't want to answer the door to an unknown person who might be carrying a dangerous pathogen to their door. They wanted to be able to order their shopping online, see that it was being delivered, leave it there for a couple of hours, and then go and pick it up later. There was comfort that there was a, a kind of a, an initial catalyst that, that kind of helped market uptake. I think it's a, it's a transformative product that also is, is kind of quite easy and, and to, to compartmentalize without having to think about some of the complexities about you, how you build a smart home as, as around that product. So smart doorbells are, are quite easy. It's easy to see people see them more and more when, when they go to come around the neighborhood as it were, but it also really transforms what your front door can do for you. So it, it, it transforms a, an area of life that's really quite and easy for people to, to grasp. Um, one of the things I think is interesting about smart doorbells looking a little bit further ahead um, is that it's an easy route in then to some other home security solutions. So if we look at some of the products that the big smart doorbell brands are offering, it's not just about doorbells, it's about in-home security 
it's about securing the back gate and the garden and kind of replacing what would historically have been much more complicated kind of security and alarm systems without having to have a complicated and expensive contract with a kind of a service provider. So the, the, the doorbell feels a little bit like a, a, a Trojan horse almost, although that, that has some negative connotations, but kind of it, it's a, a way into the home and a way of actually, I think, feeding into a number of other smart home solutions around security and home management in a way that um, smart TVs and smart speakers haven't been historic. Okay, that's really interesting, particularly when you said that we, it met an emerging need that perhaps we hadn't anticipated. We didn't want anyone we didn't know coming to the door with things during COVID. So you couldn't possibly have guessed that when you were sat here. So I'm going to let you off that, Trevor. No, that wasn't something I'm, that you I'm, could have guessed. I'm happy to make predictions because people very, very rarely pull me up on them in three weeks' time. <laughs> well, it's a good, it's a, it, it was something you could possibly have expected to happen. Now, another thing that when we were talking about this, it felt slightly contradictory, but I think something that we want to dig into is this idea of the expectations of, of people have around energy saving from smart devices. Because where you were just talking about ease, this is a little bit more complicated and nuanced, isn't it? I think it is a lot more complicated and complicated in lots of different ways. So from a, from a consumer point of view, there, there is absolutely a role for, for smart devices as part of, of a, an aspiration to make people's homes um, and, and their lifestyles broadly more, more energy efficient and have, being less environmentally impactful. And that plays out in lots of different ways. It's about how energy efficient your home is, how energy efficient your, your, your wider travel and, and other bits of your lifestyle are, but it also would touch on the products that you use for them cleaning your home and the pollution and plastic and usage that, that might come with it. So, so consumers have lots of interests and different consumers have different priorities across those things. One of the things that we have seen over the last several years is that kind of consumers place, and this is UK consumers, place an absolute priority on addressing climate change as a, as a top priority. So we saw in our kind of annual consumer life kind of global trends survey, in um, pre-COVID 2020, that environmental or climate change was the number one consumer concern in the UK. And we've seen over the last couple of years that it's not been number one post-COVID, so pandemics became the number one concern, unsurprisingly. And then as we've hit kind of cost of living crisis and inflation since then, economy has, has overtaken again. So people's top two concerns have been the economy and inflation, but all the way through that period post 2020, Environment, climate change, really, specifically climate change has been our top three concern consumers, and we don't see that going away. And in different parts of people's kind of home buying decision-making, energy efficiency aligns with smart quite well. So in lots of categories, particularly smart kitchen devices, big energy consuming um, devices, that there is an alignment between smart devices that can help you to use appliances in a way that, that's smarter and more energy efficient, and also other premium features that are about energy efficiency. So better energy ratings and more efficient motors and cooling systems. Um, but then also about smart dosing systems in washing machines. So it will look at what um, how heavy your load is, um, what types of fabric are in your wash, 
things that are a genuinely kind of smart, clever solutions that help you manage your home more efficiently. And those are real consumer benefits in, in part of the, of the home. From a, a longer term, more strategic view, one of the things which smart, smart technology opens up is the ability for an outside the home decision-making to, to manage how you use energy. So for one, one of the things that Tech UK are interested in, in promoting the role of tech in meeting kind of climate policy goals is around, well, actually, can you, by using connected devices, control when your washing machine or your dishwasher runs? Because it doesn't matter too much to me, but we can do that at a time when the energy is, is more abundant and cheaper, um, and we're able to do that using available, recyclable, or renewable energy sources. So there, there are a whole range of ways that smart technology can, can kind of feed into that consideration for consumers, some of which are immediate consumer benefits, like a more efficient washing machine that's going to save on my bill in the next few months. Others are much longer term, much more aspirational and strategic goals where the, the benefit is less immediately to an individual homeowner um, or, or an individual parent player. So it's absolutely a kind of a, a varied and kind of nuanced set of and priorities. Um, but when we ask consumers about some of the benefits they see of smart energy technology, then environmental protection and energy saving and, and long-term um, cost saving for them over the life cycle of the product, they, they are among the top three or four benefits that people will, will talk about as potential benefits of smart home products. And so they're, they're definitely aligning it with, with smart as a feature. Yeah. That's really interesting because as well as the tangible benefits there that you've talked about, there's also an emotional benefit, isn't there? Of Well, I don't run my dishwasher the minute I think about putting it on. I feel better that it's, it's turning itself on when it's better for the local environment or for the power. Well, definitely. And, and I think back to my, my childhood where we had an Economy 7 energy plan and yeah. my parents who were brought up in a way that was different to me, you to run the dishwasher and the washing machine at night because that's when it was, was cheap. So did we. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, but actually now, so I have solar panels on my roof, so I won't bore you about them, but that's completely changed the way that we do our washing at home. We run it during the day. It is noisy, but we're generating the energy ourselves for free. We look at the we look at the app on our phone to see when we're making our own electricity. You know, is, is the battery full? Is it worth running the washing machine now? So it does that. There are a whole system of kind of the products available, the infrastructure, but then also the services and the and the, the way that that combination, that ecosystem, enables consumers to change their behaviour. That's not going to happen overnight. But it's those kinds of changes which will enable really much more efficient in, in energy usage within the household for people to, to do that, make the kinds of changes that will meet kind of aspirations that we have individually, but also as, as a kind of a society to use energy more efficiently and to reduce our environmental impact. I think that's fascinating. And I'm guessing, I know this survey runs annually. This is something that you will keep digging into and getting answers from consumers about how they feel about these things. We, we will. And the way that it plays out it is, as I said, it's going to be complicated. So it's, it becomes not always about the immediate device, but the services, mm -hmm. the apps that you might use around it. So trying to understand how we look at that wider ecosystem of behaviors around it is it's a, it's, it's a front of mind issue. 
it, it's one of the topics we talk to Tech UK about as we kind of look at the survey over the longer term. We want to track kind of consistently what people are buying, what people are own, what they're interested in. But we also want to reflect some of the specific either topical issues or the wider policy objectives that we might have as a, as a country around energy efficiency, tech regulation, consumer protection, all of those issues kind of feed into this, yeah. this, this space because it's a, an emerging and a, a quickly changing part of the market. And on sustainability, we already have another um, solution, don't we? We've got the sustainability index. There is a podcast with Sam Tuck that was recorded recently that listeners might want to listen to if this is an area they're interested in. And I can see these two, you know, it all starts to, to merge, doesn't it, to create a full picture. It, it, it does. And, and one of the, the things I always say about smart home is we, we sort of think about it. We put inverted commas around smart home. But it's a whole bunch of different things. And in smart doorbells, energy efficiency is not a top of mind issue. It's not very easy to see how, how smartness makes your front door more energy efficient. Unless perhaps you don't open it when the central heating's on. But, but within kind of core parts of home management, within the, the big energy using appliances in the kitchen, within your, your smart meter and your, your relationship that you have with the energy grid, there's absolutely a role for smart within that. But it's, it's not a straightforward one in every case. No. Okay, well, we need to keep running these surveys, don't we? To, we do. We do. To and work out what's happening. Definitely planning to do that in 2024. Great. I think that's everything we're going to cover on Smart Home today because we don't have a long podcast. There is a longer one, which will be available in the description that you did with Tech UK, isn't there? Yeah, so there's a lot more material available through the Tech UK and Connected. Well, if, you, if you search for Tech UK Connected Home, there's a big report that we, we co-publish with, with Tech UK there. And there will also be a podcast, which I don't think is available as we record this podcast today, but I recorded a, a week or so ago with them. Yeah. That gets into some of those wider regulation and tech issues. Okay. Thank you. For more information about this topic, you can click the link in the description and please do make sure to leave us a review. Let us know what you like about the podcast. And of course, if you haven't already done so, do hit the subscribe button to keep up to date with the latest insights. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.